You're listening to the Mangroves to Mountains podcast, where we talk all things outdoors, hunting, fishing, paddling, camping, adventure travel, and more. Thanks for listening. Jason Samkowiak. Am I saying that right? You got it right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I grew up in Buffalo. There's a, is it, a, I assume it's a Polish name or is it Russian? It's, Polish. Yeah, Polish. Yeah. The W sounds like a V. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Most of my friends were Polish Americans in Buffalo. So yeah, we learned early on how to say Puzlimski and just, you name it, all these, all, a lot of my teachers too had Polish names, but, um, so you're, you're, I've been listening to your podcast since, um, I think it, what, what was the year that it started traditional bow hunting wilderness podcast, you know, I want to say it was 2009 or what, no, you know, I want to say it was 2009 or 2010, I think I would have to, I'd have to go back and look somewhere in there, 9, yeah. 10, 11, somewhere in there. Yeah, but I think it's been going on about 10, 11, 12 years, somewhere in there. It's been yeah, a while. it's amazing. I, I've been listening since I think maybe the first year. Um, I've heard almost all the episodes. Um, I think the ones that aren't specific to to hunting, maybe I haven't heard all of those, but um, yeah. certainly all the, the bow hunting ones for sure I've heard. So yeah, uh, yeah, you told me you used to listen to them when you were driving back and forth down there to bait for pigs and do all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah made the the trip uh, a lot more palatable. So yeah, that was great, and I learned a lot. So um, yeah. So and then it's still active. It's still um, you're still going with that, of course, right? Yeah, yeah. I haven't changed any. All I'm doing now is add more content into stuff. I'm trying to make it where I can make a living full time as a content creator. You know, we sold our house in yes. Michigan, moving to Georgia full time. And uh, that's going to happen in November. But since I sold my house, I paid off my house in Georgia, paid off every, we don't owe a penny to anybody. And uh, so I'm going to, you know, hopefully, you know, do this full time. And then uh, I'm going to get to hunt a lot more. My goal, my plan is to hunt three days a week, every week for forever from now on. (laughs) I love it. That's a dream. That's great. And I mean, you're, you're probably the busiest guy I know. I mean, in terms of you're just, you're always, seems like you're always doing something. It doesn't bother you to drive from here to, I remember when you guys came down to pig hunt, you just drove straight through from Michigan to Florida. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, then drove, drove back. Down there. Yeah. And we then, actually hunted. Remember we hunted that last night there. We hunted, well, that we got down there with you. We hunted that first day and then you told me you could even hunt them at night. You know, and I was down there with the kids hunting and you yeah. said, yeah, you can hunt them at night here too. So I said, Oh, all right. So I went back out there at 11 o'clock set till 4am came back, slept for an hour. We took the kids to Vero beach and went on the beach all day. And then uh, that next night we hunted all night long. And then remember we left that night and drove straight back to Michigan. You know, <laughs> I do remember that. it's, that's amazing to me, but uh, yeah, I mean, I guess you're used to it. You do a lot of driving for, for your your photography business and so you're used to being on the road at weird hours and but still it's still it's impressive i couldn't have done it no way yeah well i don't i try to not do those overnight drives too much anymore now just because i don't know what it is but as i'm getting older it's the more the point of i get sleepier easier um so i don't want to risk it kind of stuff there used to be a time where we would drive all night for every hunting trip we would leave after work drive a 15 18 hours right through the night or for snowmobiling trips we drive all night long now like I said, I, I, I don't do that too much anymore. I'd rather just uh, drive when I'm more awake than worry about risking falling asleep somewhere, you know? Oh yeah. That's, that's smart for sure. Yeah. It's not a good feeling when you get, you're feeling a uh, little, your eyes, eyelids are getting heavy, you know, on the highway. Yeah, that's, that's not, that's 5 scary. AM, 
5 a.m. to 9 a.m. is my danger zone. That's where I got to avoid. I try everything I can to not be driving between 5 a.m. and 9 a.m. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. So um, you said the move is coming in. Are, are you, You're in Michigan now, though, right? You're still... I, we are renting a house in, in St. Helen in Michigan right now. Um, we were fortunate to find a guy that's got a, a house that he VRBOs and he's actually rented it to us for just a five months. So it's fully furnished. It's everything. And it's a nice place that we can, uh, we're here till, um, and then I finish out my last weddings are the weekend of Halloween. And then I am leaving right from here after that day. Now I'm taking Tina down to Georgia full-time the last week of September. She'll be down there. And then I'm going to drive her down with her car. I'm going to fly back. Uh, and then I, that way I'm here with my truck. And then uh, I will finish out October here. And then when I leave here in October, I'm stopping at a different state on the way down where me and my buddy Joe, we're not going to Missouri anymore. So we're going to go hunt that state okay. uh, for 10 days. Then I'm going to leave there, head down to Georgia. When I get to Georgia, I got one wedding to shoot down there. And then I'm going to give Tina a kiss. And then I'm going to drop my trailer off. And then I'm turning around and driving 16 hours to another state for 10 days of hunting out there with John. So then we come back. Then I have Thanksgiving. <laughs> and then the next weekend, I got to drive to Michigan for two more weddings uh, back to back in a weekend here. And then I drive down. So really, like December 15th is when I'll actually be in Georgia settled and ready to start hunting. Unbelievable. Wow. That's a full, <laughs> that's a full schedule. It's exhausting just hearing that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah I, I don't know if I told you this, but I, I started a, a new teaching job. It's one of those year round schedules for, for the school and for the kids. So I'm on for nine weeks on and then three weeks off year round. Nice. So I'll have off from uh, the last two weeks of September, first week, week of October, and then I go back for nine weeks and then I'll have like a month offer in December into January. So for hunting, it's just, this is what I was looking for for a long time. Something like this, where I could actually get some time in the deer woods. Cause I love pig hunting, but I really miss good deer hunting. So at least I'll be, have some close by now. So, and I'll have some time yeah, to well, do it. And boy, where you live, you got quality deer hunting there and you're not far still from pigs. Um, you know, so you kind of got the win-win of everything. Florida is a fantastic state with a lot of opportunity, but down there, your main focus would be the pigs. Here, yeah. you get to get into the whitetail woods. Yeah, there's, I see deer on the way to work almost every day. It's so nice. <laughs> I just, yeah, I grew up in western New York. There's a ton of deer there outside Buffalo. You know, I grew up in the suburbs and just grew up seeing deer all the time. And in Florida, well, especially where I was living in Miami, it was just a nightmare. Just concrete jungle. But uh, I mean, the Everglades were cool. But that's just miserable hunting, as you can imagine, you know, yeah. it opens last part of August. So you're dealing with F Florida, August weather, September. It's brutal. Um, so I'm looking forward to a real fall, you know, again, yeah. in many years for me. And I would come up and hunt with uh, Dalton Lewis from the Stick Boys. I've been doing that for like 10 years up here in the mountains, but it's a long weekend. You know, you can't, it's really hard to get it done, at least for me, in a long weekend, you know, woods you don't know and. He's trying to put me on deer, but, and it, you know, I killed a bunch of deer with, with gun, but for the bow, it just hasn't worked out much. Yeah. Your last one was muzzleloader. I think you did up there with him, right? Yeah. Last, last, uh, I think it was Thanksgiving week. Yeah. Yeah. I remember seeing that video. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. That was fun. That was a great, very memorable. In fact, here's the, here's the little nice. pork horn. Yeah. Yeah. Nice mount. Thing. Well done. Did you yeah. do it yourself? I didn't. Um, I I've done pig skulls before. I haven't done a deer yet. But this is just a guy local up in uh, Ash County, North Carolina. Yeah. 60 bucks. Can't beat it. Nope. Very nice. Yeah. It turned out really good. So, yeah. So, um, 
that's that's cool that you're transitioning out of the not it's not complete it won't be completely out of photography but just doing it as a content creator i mean that's that's exciting yeah i'm gonna take it where i'm, I'm gonna let my other photographers shoot for me still in michigan and run it i got five here and i'm gonna let them do it here um and then i'm gonna do it down there too but i'm gonna go from where i was normally doing 65 or 70 weddings a year myself i'm gonna drop down to doing like 20, 25, um, that kind of thing. I'm still going to do the pressure washing down there one or two days a week, just because I love the exercise. I love doing it. It's the funnest thing I've ever done for work. I straight up love it. And uh, it's just relaxing and peaceful. And like I said, you get exercise. And um, so I'm going to keep doing that. Um, and then, but other than that, content creation, I'm putting out five, five days a week of content, new content, five days a week now between all the different platforms. So I'm trying real hard to make that where it'll get to where that's my whole entire full-time living. Everything else is just uh, money in the bank. And then that lets me hunt three minimum of three, but maybe even four full days a, a week is what my goal is. Yeah. Yeah. That's, and with that's being awesome. in Georgia, I get to hunt, I can hunt 365 days a year. And I'm also going to get into some of this herping stuff a little bit too. I don't know why, but I'm really interested in it, but I want to learn more about these snakes and I bought all the tools and I want to start getting into some of that kind of stuff. And I, I, I'm not, I don't know why it's just trying to learn about it, but it's something I can't wait to get down there and start doing. That's cool. And that's a great place for that. Just being in the South in general, there's snakes everywhere. So that, yeah. that'll, that'll be super cool. And then um, just, backtracking a little bit the um the podcast i'm sure you've been asked this a million times but what, what was the inspiration for the podcast like i know you've always been a bow hunter just go ahead for, you mean yeah you mean for why i started to why did you start it initially yeah um i was listening to uh, i had to drive okay so i lived in northern michigan so, you know i live up here and i have my wedding business is all detroit based so it's three hours each way i go down there on i would go down there on a thursday spend thursday meetings with people friday wedding saturday wedding and then drive back home so i had six hours a week in a car and i was spending that time listening to jack spiracle and the survival podcast um, just every day he had a new podcast and it was always something that was right up my alley, um, self-sufficiency, self-reliancy. And uh, so I was listening to that and he did it at the time in his car on his 40 minute commute every day. And I thought, well, you know what? I could do this about bow hunting. And uh, there was nothing out there like it. And I thought, you know, on traditional bow hunting, I thought, you know what? So I'm going to give it a try. So I bought the stuff and did it. And, uh, you know, I sat down and I made a list. What is my goals with this? What do I want to do? Do I want to be entertaining? Do I want to bring guests on? Do I want to be educational? You know, and I just said, well, I'm going to start it as educational and try to just teach people as much as I can. And that's where it started. That's how it's been. And, you know, now I think there's what, 500, almost 500 episodes episodes on there you know, <laughs> i think when you started it was i think it was the only traditional podcast uh, traditional bow hunting podcast that i'm aware of yeah i, yeah, I think it was the first first it had to be one of the first if not the first Right. Yep. And I don't think there were any other ones at the time, but I'm glad there is now. I'm glad there's so many out there. Um, I love that. Cause I'll tell you what, like I, right now I've been so busy. I can't, I'm so far behind on podcasts, catching up with people's stuff, you know? Um, but, uh, um, I tell you, like when it's hunting season, I can't get enough of them. I listen to them nonstop. And I, even with what's out there now, I run out of them in no time. And then you're begging for more of them and there's not enough to get you through, you know? So the yeah. more the merrier, I love the fact that they're, they're out there and they're coming around more. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just good information in most cases, probably, I mean, most traditional guys are avid hunters or they wouldn't be shooting traditional. Right. So it's, it's good information. The thing I, that stood out to me with yours was um, you could tell, um, 
least I could tell, I didn't, let me back up a little bit. I didn't have any mentors, like hunting mentors. I was complete, almost completely self-taught. So every, uh, it was all trial and error. Every, every um, swing and a miss on a deer, every uh, tech equipment, all that stuff I had to learn on my own. And it seemed like you were, I, I'm thinking your background was similar to that. And I, I don't know, maybe, maybe you had a mentor or, or did you not? Or Mine was all self-learned too. That's no parents hunted, no nothing, all hundred percent trial and error on my own. Yeah. And I think trying to find, find the right words for this, there's certainly nothing. There's, it's great to have a mentor. It's great to have a, like a grandfather, a father, uncle, whatever. But um, a lot of the works through no fault of their own been done for them, right. By that other person's experience. But when you learn it yourself, it's, it's, you know, it's true, you know, it's so when you would make statements that um, uh, your opinions, I just, I held them in such high regard still do, because I know you learned them with yourself. You didn't read in a magazine. You didn't watch it on a, on a video on YouTube or in a, in a, when videos were out, you know, were a big thing, DVDs and all that, you know, you, it was all trial and error. And that, that just goes a long way to me. Yeah, and you you're right because then you you learn not only what to do and what not to do, but you learn how to bend the rules when you need to. Mm -hmm. You know, even it's funny with my photographers when they come up to be when I ha start having them shoot for me. One of the first things I do is I make them bring me 150 images that they purposely screw up. And they, when I tell them I want that, they're like, I I, I don't understand. I'm like, I want 150 <laughs> images that are just barely screwed up somehow or some way. Now, how, well, how do I do that? Well, you tell me, you just give me 150 images screwed up. But when they do, and then I show them to them, I say, see how you did this? Now notice this. Now, if somebody asked you in the middle of a bright, sunny field, they say, hey, we want one of those silhouette pictures we saw on your website. You now see how you can do that because you screwed up here trying to not do it, but you see what you learned, you know, and you teach them this stuff and they, the, the, they learn more from those, those stupid 150 images that they tried to mess up than they do from me telling them how to do things correctly. And it's the same thing. The more you learn on your own, the more you you can put that stuff in your favor and go, hey, you know what? This didn't work when I did it this way. But if I tweak that a little bit, I might be able to pull that off. Or I tried this once before and it's totally bomb. But look at this environment. This might work. And you 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 thrive off of that stuff. So self-taught is a very powerful thing. Yeah, I do a similar thing with my students. I teach art, you know, elementary school art. I've taught middle school art too. But with the the younger kids, if they have, I have them have a, a uh, sketchbook, right? And they're not allowed to take anything out of it and throw it away, even if it's the worst drawing they've ever done, because you you see the progress over the course of a year, right? And especially in a child, you know, because maybe they haven't had any real drawing instruction before. And like, no, that's just like, they're trying to ball it up and throw it in a trash can in the art room. Like, no, no, what are you, that's, that's a gold mine there. You're going to be able to look at this in three months and say, oh my gosh, it was so bad. But, um, but that's a tool that, like you said, similar in a similar way, just, you know, you learn from your mistakes, you learn uh, by doing things the right way, but, um, and instruction helps, of course, too. Yep. Having a mentor, I think, helps shorten the learning curve if they're a good one and send you in the right direction. Um, but like I said, I don't think there's any anything replaces that fact of screwing stuff up a whole, whole lot. I, I mean, I even tell people that with, you know, when I'm pressure washing, well, can you do this? I'm pretty sure I can. I've never tried it before, but trust me, even if I screw it up, I've screwed stuff up 10 times worse. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <Rest> <laughs> assured. And we survived it. Uh, you, well, you know, Dan too, Dan Rudman Jr. Yes. He's, he's told me that too. He's like, you know, I, I tell people all the time, you know, I, I've, you know, F stuff up way worse than this on way more schedule. You know, I mean, <laughs> but this those are nothing. the people you want because they know far worse. 
Right, exactly. So, you you know, but those are the people that are experienced and learned and know how to avoid it, you know? Yeah, he's got a, a new YouTube channel. I don't know if you watched any of that. Uh, I think it's called All Right, uh, Dan. Yeah. Yeah, it's really Yeah, he cool. just sent me the uh, he sent me some links to it. Actually, I think he was a little mad at me because I, I said, Well, oh, send me the link to the channel. He's like, I did. I sent you one in May. I sent you one on May this date. Like, oh, I didn't even see him yet. So I got them all. He sent me links to them. And uh when I start editing tonight, actually, because I've just got back, but when I start editing, I'm gonna watch them. I'm excited to check them out. Yeah, he just did one on um the Great American Road Trip. So taking kids on a family road trip, the value of that. Yeah, Michigan, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And uh I was born in Grand Rapids. I don't know if you know that, but um, haven't been back in years. But uh, this is off, totally off topic. But um, I think it's Compton that has the big game classic. Correct. Yeah, in in March next year they're having it in Grand Rapids, where I was born. So I already told my wife we're going. I don't care what I have going on. We're going. I haven't been back to Michigan in so long, and that's my hometown. Although we moved when I was six, I barely remember it. But uh, yeah, we're yeah. going just uh, just to get back to my roots there. So should be cool. Yeah, they came up here. They went to Traverse City and did a whole bunch of stuff up there. They had a the time of their life, you know, the whole family trip up there. Yeah. And uh, I was talking to him when he's up here, did some fishing up there. And uh, yeah, he had a blast. But yeah, I got to check out his podcast for sure. I'm excited. Yeah. I think you'd like it. Yeah. He doesn't pull any punches like you. <laughs> yeah. I was talking to him yesterday about it. He was calling on how to make thumbnails and how to make, how to edit stuff from Premiere and how to put text on there. And, you know, so yeah, he's, he's all fired up and gung ho about it. So I'm excited to check it out. My son's, like I said, he's with us now and he's, he's certified in Photoshop, Adobe Premiere, all these, that's kind of what he did, what he did in high school and he's going to continue in college. But, um, so he's been doing the thumbnails for me for the podcast, for the YouTube channel. And he, he can just figure stuff out. I mean, I think kid just being a kid, you know, 18 year old, he grew up with the computers as opposed to us, you know, so there, uh, yeah, he can just figure things out in a second that would take me for hours. I'd have to Google it several, several different sources to figure out how to just do something simple, you know, but He's been a real big help to me lately here. Yeah. And they got the patience for it. You know, it's like Bella, same thing. They got the patience to sit down and mess with this stuff. I got like three seconds and my wick's gone. If I haven't solved it or figured it out or can't do it, then I just start slamming stuff around and get up and go outside. (laughs) (laughs) I don't, I don't like computers. Speaking of outside. Yeah. Me either. Speaking of outside, do you have a place to shoot there? In Georgia? No, no. In, uh, in Michigan where you're living now. Yeah, I do actually. It's kind of nice. We back up to a vacant lot. And uh, so um, a lot of the videos you see now on my channel, the recent ones are uh, from there. So I got a bag target leaning up against his wood pile out there, but it, it works. It serves a purpose. I get to shoot here. Yeah, good. Because you had a pretty, pretty badass setup at uh, your other home uh, with the with the 3D targets and you shoot up from the tree and all that. That was really cool. Yeah. Yeah, Great that's practice. gone now. Yeah, that's yeah, all gone. But I do have a, in my place in Georgia, I just built my backstop for it, made a video about it. It's not published yet, but I just built my, uh, you know, I got one of those Harbor Freight or uh, tr- uh, tractor supply horse stall mats, built mm-hmm. a frame around it. Now I got my 3D targets in front of there. I can shoot 30 yards in my backyard in Georgia. Um, oh, nice. So I'm excited about that too. But, uh, but yeah, but like I said, hopefully the majority of my practice, once I get down there will be stump shooting and live animal shooting. Cause like I said, three days a week, I plan on being in the woods chasing stuff. Yeah. So, like judo points, shooting stumps and stuff. Yeah. Just yeah, don't, was, just don't shoot a, a cypress stump, a knee, yeah. cypress knee. <laughs> yeah. Those, those are not good. They don't work real well. <laughs> no. Yeah. And then, so you're, you're, I mean, you're eating, eaten up with uh, the pig hunting like i have been for the last 20 years 
I'd love it. I love the freedom of it. I love the get rid of the stand, get rid of the pack. I like not walking to one tree and sitting there for hours. Every pig hunt is a nonstop adventure, whether it's snakes or gators or bugs or pigs or whatever it is, or just neat things that you find. I mean, it is nonstop adventure every single second you're in the woods. And if I don't like where I am, I move to the next spot. If I want to go through somewhere quick, I keep going. If I want to take my time and slow down, I do. It's just pure freedom on every level. I It, it is my favorite thing to do. And I'm not yeah. giving up deer hunting ever, but, uh, but I mean, I definitely, especially when pig, our deer season is over and you just got done spending three months in a tree, you're ready to get out of the tree oh, and yeah. start moving. Yeah. Even, even just, and I know you do a lot of morning to evening sits for deer, but even just hunting a morning for deer in a tree stand and you get down and you get on the ground like, oh, this is awesome. I can walk. I can like yeah. look at things. This, the topography is changing because I'm moving. You know, every time you take a step, it looks a little bit different. And and then you're and, uh, just I think I was saying just getting down out of the tree stand, you know, and all of a sudden you, it's a whole new world. You can you don't have to worry so much about freezing your ass off. You know, you can walk, you're warming up, especially you know, later in the fall or winter sitting in a stand is not not my idea of, I mean it's great because it is very effective and it's nice to be up high and you can see the world you know around you but there's something special about uh just still hunting and just hunting your way back to the truck is cool you know yeah and my days of tree stands are they're you know uh, they're not I don't know when it's going to be but there is a there is a there's a uh, there's a timer on that. I'm not going to do it for a whole lot longer. You know, again, you, you know, even for the deer hunting, it'll be more ground hunting, still hunting. I like that better. I like that method. I'm not a big buck hunter anyway, so I don't care. Um, but I, that's my form of hunting that I seem to like a lot more. Now, again, I'm not saying I'm doing it yet because I do still like being in a tree, but the day's coming where I won't want to carry a stand anymore. I don't want to deal with sticks and harnesses and climb the tree. I won't want to do that. I want to be totally just, you know, independent, free and mobile. And uh, that day is coming. I don't know if it'll be next year or the year after or the year after, but it is, it, I, I see it. I'm never going to buy another tree stand. I'm never going to buy more climbing sticks. I'm never going to get into any of that stuff. Cause like I said, the end is near for me when it comes to being in a tree, it'll be time to move on to the next chapter, which is that freedom. And, and you did kill a doe right on the ground last year? I did. Yep. But, you know, you learn so much from, from hunting pigs, as you know. You know, yeah. you learn how to walk. You learn where to move. You learn how to use the cover. You learn how to take two twigs and a berry, you know, that are sticking off of a tree and hide behind it. You know, you learn <laughs> to do all this kind of stuff when you're doing that. And, well, I used all that stuff to my advantage. And sure enough, yeah, even in those dry leaves, I you know. But that's my second one now. Then the year before that, I killed that doe in uh, Missouri in those cornflake leaves with a pack a stand sticks on my back and a blue t-shirt and I forgot about uh, that. yeah that's yeah right. you know and i was able to kill that uh that spike there and but i mean it's like i like i said in both of those two deer that spike in missouri and that doe in georgia last year i you know i i, I don't mount a whole lot of deer i saved the antlers and actually even the ones the couple i killed last year i haven't even cleaned them yet they're still sitting there with bugs all over them <laughs> you know, down <laughs> yeah. in the shed. Yep. but uh, i'll get to them eventually but uh, but i just don't care about that stuff but uh if i were to put something uh, if i would have mounted either of the, that doe or that spike they would be going wherever my most prized trophy is on the wall that's where i would put them they have more power to me than any of the deer i've killed are those two because yeah, of how it was yeah. done yeah i have a um a bow rack and, and it's the the bow holders are two um two 11 pointers no two mm -hmm. two spikes sticking out of the <laughs> wall and one is 
just barely legal. It's like a five inch. I shot, but I shot in the Everglades and a miserably hot day. I almost died dragging it out. It was so hot and humid and I ran out of water. I was two miles from the road and that's the most memorable deer of my lifetime. I've killed bigger bucks. I've never killed a monster, but I've killed, you know, eight, nine points, you know, plenty of times. But this one is the most, to me, the most memorable one, even though it's not it the smallest deer I think I've ever killed. Smallest racked buck ever, other than maybe a button buck. But uh, yeah, that's the most important one there for me. Killed it with a bow too. It actually, I missed it at like 25 yards and it, and it ran under my tree stand and stopped at six yards <laughs> and I almost screwed that shot up, but I, I hit it and it ran 40 yards and one fell over. But yeah, just, yeah. yeah, I'm not a trophy hunter by any means. The trophy's the meat and the experience is, is the trophy really. That's the key, the experience and the adventure. And you know what you get out, you get out what you put in. And if all you, if all I put into it is walking out, picking a tree, climbing up there and a deer walks by and I kill it, I'm not getting out a lot out of that. I, no, I mean, I'm not knocking it. Like I said, it is still my favorite way to hunt, but I just, in my mind, I see the light at the end of the tunnel that is going to be that time very, very near future where I say, you know what? And I'm going to take my stands and my sticks and have big packs and all that stuff. And I'm getting rid of them. And I'm going to have a haversack on my side or a small little pack. And I am just going to go hunt and I'm going to still go to these places but i'm going to ground hunt but even like when i do these uh rut hunts out of state in these hill country places i'm hanging a stand three or four times a day i'm tired of that you know that's yeah. gets old i'd Real. rather just get up and walk 10 yards here and set up there and then walk 10 yards up this way and set up there you know i just i, I look forward to uh to that challenge and that freedom that it gives me yeah my friend ryan ryan gill i don't know if you know ryan from uh hunt primitive he should he's yep yeah he's already got a deer down he he killed one, I think, opening day in South Florida. It opens, I think, July 31st, the season. And um, he missed one uh, deer down. He, he actually missed one, still hunting, you know, the bow with a self bow. He, I think it was like 20 yards away. And he, he actually got it on a video too. And he shot, it was quartering away, shot between its legs, like under its heart, like missed it. Yeah. It'd be that much higher. You'd have seen it go down. You know? <laughs> and uh, so then he, he set up another spot and... Um, there were some trails coming into this area where the deer had just been a lot. And he, uh, he a, a doe came in in a range and he he shot it, shot over, right over his back. It made a big circle, came back around and came in on the trail that was right in front of him. And he double lunged it. He watched it go down just like then all that crap about. Yeah, all that crap. And he was he was just tucked into some palmettos. He just took a clipper and he just hardly ever hunts out of a tree and just clipped this way back into the pocket of palmettos. The deer came by, didn't know he was any anywhere in the world. And he killed that. Well, he had two shots that day, but he killed that one and watched it go down. But um, uh, he he said, uh, you know, and then his buddy that picked him up, he said, I know we're never we're never thought of sitting in that spot. He goes, why? It's like right on a trail. The wind is right. Just make a spot. <laughs> Take your clippers out, make a spot, get some cover behind you, around you, and it can work. I mean, it worked for most of human history. You know, the whole tree stand thing is a very modern thing. It's like what 40 years or so really right plus there's so many people doing it now so many saddle hunters so many tree stand hunters and so many of them becoming mobile uh that the pressure and like here in michigan too the pressure is getting so bad that i have to uh, I have to find different ways to get away from that. One of those is going to be the ground. There's a lot of places here that I can hunt that will never see another hunter in because there's no trees for them. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, so that's, there's a lot, there's, there's a lot of advantage to it. Like I said, I'm looking forward to it. I'm not ready to stop it yet, 
Um, but it is, it is, I see it in the near future. Like I said, yeah. I won't buy another stand, another set of sticks, another anything. I, I am on, I am almost out of that game. It's coming to an end pretty soon. I don't know how you feel about heights, but I'm not a big fan of heights. And it's always been an issue for me shooting out of tree stands and, and just climbing in and out of the stand. Um, but I'm going to try to do it. There's a lot of pines here in this part of North Carolina. So I think I can get away with being pretty low, fairly low with a lot of cover yeah. around me. And still hunt from a stand, but like, you know, 12 feet up instead of 18. Because that, that, to me, that's brutal. I don't yeah, know how well, people do I'll, it. I'll tell you what, most of the deer I've killed, I wouldn't say most, but I would say a solid, I would say 30% of the deer I've killed, I've killed eight feet or less in a stand. Wow. You know, I only climb to cover. If I don't need to, because usually when the higher you go, the more you lose shooting options because you that's, get up into the brush around you. Um, so there's that sweet spot. And a lot of times in the swamps, that's six, eight feet. There's times, I mean, I, I there's times I can literally reach up from the ground and grab the platform of my stand is how high up I am. Wow. That's, yeah. that's so really don't cool. think you got to climb high. And what, what kind of trees are those? Are those pines or are those... What are they? Yeah, tamarack, pine, anything like that. Or even it could even just be a birch tree or a aspen tree that's uh, tied into a clump of other ones. Any, If I have any kind of cover there, then I don't need to go higher. I don't go higher. Yeah, that's that's great advice. Yeah, see, that's another thing that what I was talking about earlier, That's that comes from experience, you know, as opposed to <laughs> learning. I don't want to knock anybody, but just learning stuff from YouTube only, you know, where you don't have, or, or somebody said, well, this is the only way you can get, you know, you gotta be at least 20 feet. Like really, you know, no, right. Not so much. No, yeah. not even a little bit. And actually for us <laughs> traditional guys, it's even worse. It is. Our shot angles, we end up one lung in a lot more if we're up there. I'd much rather be at 12 feet than 20 feet. Yeah, absolutely. Any plans you, you talked about? You always have uh, fall whitetail plans. Any any plans to go out west for other game? Have you have you done a hunt like for elk or for? Yeah, I know you've no, done bear hunts, but bear hunts, caribou um, up north in Canada, that kind of stuff. But I've never been interested in elk, mule deer, or antelope, and the reason for it is it's just hot, it's big, it's open, it's a lot. I've done a lot of javelina hunts, but um, but the elk and mule deer and uh, antelope just have never. I, I just can't see spending that kind of money and taking the time off in August or September to do it, which is when my busy season is. So I never, you know, with the weddings and stuff. So it's never been species that interest me. My game, I, if I'm going on a hunt that I'm going to pay for, it's black bear or moose. Those are the two that are worth spending money on for me. Otherwise, I'll just keep going for free whitetails in states and, and now hogs too. Uh, that interests me a lot more than, you know, spending a couple grand to do an elk hunt. Yeah, I've told people before that my my dream hunt is a javelina spot and stalk hunt. <laughs> forget <laughs> moose, forget. I, I think a moose hunt would be cool too, but I'm not interested in climbing to 8,000 feet for elk at yeah. this point in my life. At 85 or really, degrees, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's always an early season hunt, early, late summer hunt. And um, yeah, no thanks. I'd rather hunt pigs in the swamp or sit in a tree stand, you know, in the pine. And yeah, not. I, I think we're in a minority in that case. I think maybe people are, it could be just a romance of a, you know, hunting out West and big country, but uh, yeah, for me, that's not a dream hunt at all. Well, you said javelina and I'll tell you what, I've, uh, I've taken uh, six or eight, maybe, maybe, maybe nine javelina. I'd have to go back and look, but uh, in West Texas spot and stock over there around Marfa and uh, you know, out there it's all private land. There is no public land really available, but uh, you know, they got sections, you know, six, eight sections, which is the sections, I think a mile, isn't it? I think it's just, I'm not mile. sure. I think a section right. 640 acres, I think, is a, is a square mile. But so you got tremendous amount of terrain. And what they do is they would take you in suburbans 
um, or a Jeep up on the high roads on the ridges and you would drive park and then you would get out and you would glass and you would look for javelina down in the valleys. When you found them, you would stalk in on them. If you blew it, didn't work or whatever, you'd look glass more, didn't see nothing. They would drive you a half mile to another ridge. You would set up in uh, glass and then the stalk would be on. But, uh, you know, I've taken Tina on that too, but th those were some of the most amazing hunts. I've seen mule deer on those trips that I was able to stalk within 10 yards of, of world-class trophy mule deer in the rocks and they had no idea i was even there got pictures of them wow um, just amazing trips you know yep so yeah, yeah it's, that's a well worth trip doing and those javelinas they're wicked little dudes they're tough <laughs> little pigs man they're fast and they're they're sassy <laughs> yeah <laughs> that looks like a blast any kind yeah. of pig hunting or they're technically not pigs but that just looks like a really awesome hunt and spot and yeah. stock is even even better it makes it even better someday yeah. someday i'd like to do that one now, th did I see that you're going to be filming some hunts this fall? I am. I'm going to uh, for my Patreon channel. Um, I'm, I I did a few last year uh, where I did, but I did not like I, I showed some of the shots on my pig hunts with like a GoPro yeah, type thing. Um, I saw but those. YouTube. Yeah, YouTube is very they're getting really bad with this stuff. And uh, so I don't want to lose again. I can't lose the demonetization of my channel because of the six or eight hunting videos I'm going to do when I'm doing hundreds of other videos. Um, like I said, this is a business for me. YouTube is a business and uh, I need to stay monetized. So I started that Patreon page, which is where I will show these full hunts, show the blood trails. YouTube can't monitor that. They can't give me a hard time about it. It's my Patreon channel. So all of my hunts start to finish, including every, every aspect, boning the animals out, blood trailing them, the actual shot, the whole thing will be on my Patreon stuff and what's the patreon what's the how do we find it on patreon it's a tradbow podcast okay yep so real easy one tradbow podcast on patreon is what it is but uh but uh yeah like i said that's where a lot of that stuff will be my map my hunt series i got a ton of there's so much member only content on there and that's also where most of my hunting tips are uh there's so many people now that since covid did are in the woods and it's the pressure is just through the roof fishing too know. fishing yeah too Yep. So, you know, it's, I'm getting to a point where I don't want to give out these really good hunting tips anymore because then I don't get to do these things because other people are in them. Used to be I could tell people how to mobile hunt all day long, but only, you know, they very few did it. So I only had to contend with the ladder stand guys. You know, yeah. they set up in one spot and stay there. So the woods was mine. Now everybody's a mobile hunter and not just because of me, but I'm, they're everywhere. And uh, they're, I, I keep seeing them in my places. So I'm not giving a lot of that, you know, it's taken me a couple of years to figure out how to hunt where I'm get away from that pressure again. And I'm not giving that information out for free on YouTube. Yeah. I don't, I don't blame you. And yeah. you're one of the first mobile hunters that I'm aware of. I mean, I know saddles have been around for a long time, but, but with the, you know, just small, uh, small tree stand hiking in and, um, and, and doing a lot of uh, scouting from the computer. That's, you're one of the first ones that I'm aware of that was doing that. Yeah. There's a lot of guys that were Warren Womack, Dan, you know, in fall, oh, yeah. a lot of guys that were, yeah. but, uh, but I definitely, I've been doing it for a long time and I love that hunting method. Mm -hmm. yeah. Hey guys, hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. When you get a minute, go to YouTube and check out mangroves to mountains outdoors. It's a channel I started in 2008. There's bow hunting, uh, black powder hunting, fly fishing, fly fishing tutorials, hiking, paddling, you name it. So check it out when you get a minute. Mangroves to mountains outdoors. Thanks. So we had to stop there. I'm, I'm not sure where we were, where we were at. I should have taken a note.
Oh, we were talking mobile hunting stuff on there. Yeah. And it's talking about how, you know, there are a lot of guys have been doing it for a long time before. I mean, you look at like Warren Womack with his, uh, his, those uh, ultra light lock-ons, his wind walker stands and his woodpecker oh, yeah. screws, you know, I mean, he's got, yes. it's not new, um, but uh, it's definitely, uh, it, it's become very mainstream, especially with the saddle stuff. So many people are now mobile hunting. And, uh, you know, I did a podcast called the consequences of mobile hunting in the saddle craze. And, uh, it, it covers a lot of that as far as, you know, I mean, now the prices do, you know, the freedom that we've had for the last 25, 30 years of mobile hunting where nobody else was doing it. Now everybody's doing it. So the prices now do. And the, and the thing, the other similarity to that, or the, uh, similar consequence from cyber scouting, scouting, you know, where guys are, are learning how to do that from their computer scouting places and going in. Uh, I, you were actually, I think you were one of the first ones that talked about that too, where you can, you can go to hunt a place you'd never been before. You can scout it online and just knowing from the topographical maps or, or whatever train features to, uh, go there blind and, and then kill a deer. It's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. I, I seriously never scout anymore on foot. I really don't um, because I'm hunting so many different places. But, uh, you know, even I was just talking to Joe yesterday, like one o'clock in the morning, driving home from a wedding. He had just got out of a wedding. I was talking to him I'm like, hey, that that state we're going to first week of November. I'm like, I, I know it. I know that or I know the size. I've printed out the maps, but I'm not sure I'm going to have a chance to really do much scouting on it. He said, we don't scout anyway. You know, we figure that out the night before while we're sitting in a tent in the cot and we go, here's where I'm going to go tomorrow. And that that he I laughed because he's right that's really how we do it I I can't tell you the last time other than like leaving a spot in the morning and moving in the afternoon I may scout my way over there but 99% of the spots I'm picking them from the computer and then I'm going in there and figuring it out right there on the spot even in a dark and hunt it just with uh just a headlamp just finding your way to that spot with uh what do you use on x or one of those I use a GPS and I use Onyx. Onyx a lot more, but I still haven't. Uh, I make sure I got a GPS with me. I don't trust Onyx for blood trailing very well. Um, mm. I think they cut corners with their little breadcrumbs and their little track tracking thing. I think it skips a little and cuts corners where the GPS doesn't. So um, especially for blood trailing, I want that GPS if I got a grid search. You know, and it's a good fallback and fail safe. But, uh, but more and more, I'm leaning more and more towards uh, on X is so easy. I don't have to download all the maps ahead of time or, you know, the uh, go to Google or bird's eye imagery and make all these things. I don't have to do that. It updates regularly. I, I definitely become a big fan of on X. Yeah. Same here. And uh, which, which just out of curiosity, which GPS do you use? I still use a Garmin 64. Okay. Um, that's the uh, one that looks like a regular one with the little mini half antenna on it. Yeah. Um, but, the, you know, I, I like the E-Trex lines, too. Um, I don't even know if they still make those, but those are really good. But down in Georgia was why I really noticed uh, the difference with that 64. When you get into some of the nasty stuff down there, it works. They, they That 64 with the antenna works a lot better. Yeah, I had an E-Trex that I would use in the uh, fishing in the Everglades. And you get into the canopy with these mangrove tunnels, you know, yeah. where you can't hardly see the sky. And it just like, just you're, you're lost. Not lost, yeah. but you know where you are. You just, the GPS doesn't know where you are. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I learned to just, uh, you know, clip branches on my way out in and then find those little clippings in the way out, that kind of thing. Yeah, same with the bear hunts in Canada. The, the E-Trex one would cut in, cut out. I started carrying that 64 and it was gold. You know, it was fantastic. It, yeah. it just held reception a lot better. So I like it more. Mm -hmm. And then we were talking about in the break before we started the second part here about filming. I'm super, by the way, I'm super excited you're going to do that because you're a professional photographer. 
Um, it's probably some added pressure for you, but I know it's going to be good. And you've been filming for so many years, uh, your YouTube stuff. So um, what's your setup for that? Do you have a particular one or do you, well, as a general, the, just a general question? Yeah, you're, the interesting aspect of it is the fact that since I do make a living with a camera, I am, you know, that old phrase, you know, the only place you find a leak is a plumber's house or never buy a car from a mechanic. <laughs> Well, yeah. the same is true of this stuff, because realistically, for the past 12 or 13 years, everything I've done on YouTube, for the most part, has been done on my cell phone. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, and uh, but I know how to use that cell phone. Right. You know, I know how to use it with the right settings, and I know how to pick where I'm at, and how to I know what it's capable of. Um, so I use that a lot, but I did buy a Sony ZV-1 this year, which I'm excited about using. I've been making a lot of my videos lately with it. Um, and then I got, you know, I do have some of my DSLRs that I use at home for my, my videos there, but in the woods, it's going to be a Sony ZV one on a DIY, uh, bow hunter camera arm. And then I have a couple little carbon fiber tripods and, you know, things like that little tricks up my sleeve for when I'm on the ground or stalking. But, uh, and then I got a DJI Osmo, which they don't make it anymore. They, they got a new version. I don't like, but this, this is kind of like a GoPro, but um, I like it much better than the, I've had four GoPros. I like this DJI Osmo a lot better, oh. but unfortunately they stopped. They only made it for a couple of years and then they, they tried to improve it and they failed miserably. And the one I have, you can't really get anymore. So when it dies, I'll probably go back to like hero tens or something, you know, kind of thing. But, um, but having one of those on my head plus running the other camera. So for, um, for the pig hunting, like the, the going through the swamps and stuff, are you going to use a GoPro or are you going to use a tripod with the, the Sony? I'm going to have, I'll be running the, the, uh, the GoPro or that DJI. Um, that'll be on my head for all that kind of stuff. Um, now I don't, I, I run three things when I'm pig hunting or I will, but one is my cell phone, which is right in my pocket that I can just pull out real quick um, and use. Uh, and then I have my, that GoPro sits right in the side pocket of my pack or in my hip pocket or in my cargo pocket. So I can pull it out and throw it on my head really fast. Okay. Um, and uh, so then I put that on whenever I see pigs or I'm getting ready for them or I need to. Uh, I don't like the view of that GoPro for me talking about tracks or uh, pig rooting or while I don't like that look of it. Um, so I use my cell phone for that. Well, now that Sony will come in handy for a lot of that stuff too. And I'll have it on that. I, I carry it on a, on a carbon fiber light stand or a carbon fiber mini tripod uh, that only weighs, the, the tripod version only weighs, like it's like one pound exactly. Wow. And it's awesome. This thing's incredible. And I'll probably use that a lot too. Cause then I can set it. What I'm hoping to do with that is be able to set it down for that final stalk on pigs. And as I move forward, you see me come into the frame. So I'm capturing a shot on my GoPro, but you're actually capturing me hunting it with that Sony is what my intentions are. Will it work out that way? We'll see. Will I get uh, frustrated and cranky and leave it behind and never go back and get it again? We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like where I've filmed most of my pig hunts, it's mostly pastures, like open pasture. It's tough to do it in the woods, I found, but uh, it can be done for sure. But um, yeah, I, do, I used to do that a lot too. I'd, I actually shot many pigs just carrying my tripod, moving it. And when they put their head down, I just creep up three yards, move the tripod, like try to, you know. Yeah. But I like the idea of having the GoPro on your head and then the tripod with the, the bigger camera capturing the whole scene. I think that's a great idea because you hunt like me, you hunt alone a lot. So, um, yeah. you know, you're one man show for that. Well, for the most yeah. part, right? Yeah. I don't really like hunting with a lot of people. I don't mind taking people out once in a while, but I am not a, 
I'm not a, a group hunter. Kind of, I, I want to be I'm on my own, go my way, do my thing. I'll hunt with people. It's like, okay, what time do you want me to meet you and where? Great. Goodbye. I'm gone. You know? <laughs> <laughs> That's See how you I am too. Yeah. <laughs> I remember growing up, I hunted with some buddies in high school, high school friends, you know, after high school. And, and, uh, we used to hunt this spot called the Alabama swamps, but it was in New York state. It was kind of in between Buffalo and Syracuse, a swampy area. And we'd get there like an hour before, before daylight deer hunting. And okay, guys, I'll see you. I'll see you at lunch. And they're like, what? Where you, this is yeah. before like cell phones. This is back in the late eighties, you know, early nineties. Like, yeah, I'm going to my spot. I've got to stand up. I'm, I'm going to be there before, way before first light. And they'd wait till first light to walk in and, especially during gun season a lot of times the guys would come into the woods and kick deer to me and i just hunt escape routes and fill my tag that first morning during gun season but yeah <laughs> i like to especially bow hunting it's it's a solitary thing you know i mean the only time i really bow hunt with another person is if i'm filming for them or they're filming for me that's pretty right. much yep i remember the first time we were uh steve trey was in camp with me and joe with me joe steve and uh uh, Larry, we were all camping together in Missouri, and that night I was making peanut butter and jelly sandwich. He's like, "Oh my God, you're eating again!" I'm like, "No, this is lunch for tomorrow." He's like, "No, we're making lunch." I'm like, "Well, you guys are. I'm not gonna be here. I'm not coming back for lunch." And he's like, and, "You know." And then it was after dark, and I'm getting a phone call, you know, from him and text messages. "You okay? Do you need help? Where are you?" He's like, "No, I'm I'm getting I'm scouting. I'm working. I'm there's an area I want to take a quick peek at that I might hunt in the morning. I'll be back there in an hour." Okay, we get back and they're already in bed. <laughs> you, know, it's, it's, you gotta you know, be up I mean, four hours later. Right, exactly. But I mean, I, that's how I am. I want when I'm hunting, I want to hunt really hard and as much as I can. Yeah, yeah. Well, time is limited for all of us, right? I mean, you gotta yeah. make the most of it. And then, um, so the um, that that tripod. I, I'm taking notes. I'm picking your brain here a little bit. Um, what what tripod is that? That real light carbon fiber. Uh, I will have to send you a link because it's Obgen or something. I it's one of the it's a, it's a like a knockoff. It's not like a Manfrotto or any pro okay. grade anything, yeah. but uh, and I think it was a hundred or hundred and twenty bucks. But it is one pound, and uh, I took off the original ball head that was on it and put on a little Acer R uh, ball head, the mini, the smallest ball head you can get. Um, but the way I have it set up, it comes in at just under one pound, and it reaches. You know, it's, it's like 48 inches or something, almost five feet right in there, but it is wicked. I will send you a uh, a link to you to you so you have it, but I, I'm really impressed with this tripod, especially for a little camera like a, the Sony ZV-1. I don't know if I'd go putting a camcorder on this one, you know, okay. yeah. as far as weight. This is weight, a small, yeah. yeah. But uh, but there's a lot of them on there. And I'll tell you what, those carbon fiber Amazon tripods, I own like eight or 10 of them and I use them for so many different things and they work really good. Those are those ones that are like $60 or $40 yeah. or knockoff Gecko or whatever brand they are. Um, mm -hmm. But they, they are really solid and they work really good. So if you're looking for one, they got those in all different weight capacities that can hold, um, you know, but they'll be closer to a two pound tripod, but they still fold up next to nothing, fit right in your pack. And that's that's lighter than what I have now. I've bought some of those cheap ones at Walmart, and they last. You might get a couple hunts, especially pig hunts, tough on your gear. But I I, I broke them. They wouldn't even make it through a season, you know. Yeah, those thin garbage. aluminum ones. The thin, those yeah, the legs would snap off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. terrible. <laughs> they, they do the job, but not ideal. Yeah. Need to upgrade. Yeah. And then I remember um used to bow fish a lot. Are you, are, any plans to do that in Georgia, or is that not a thing there? 
It, 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 I'm sure it is. And I do plan on it eventually. As a matter of fact, I just bought my first boat for down there. I bought a little 1548 John boat and I was really debating on whether to go with like a stick steer setup or what I wanted. And I actually ended up going tiller with a deck on the front so that I thought if I do end up building it out and want to put lights on it for bow fishing, I'm already set up for it. So will I do it? I don't know. I don't know what extent we'll see. Um, but I do miss it. I miss bowfish and I haven't done it in two years since I started the pressure washing where we used to go out, you know, twice a week, every yeah. week. And I had a custom boat built for it. And I, I loved it. Um, but you know, Bella's grown, she's gone, you know, it, it's just, you know, I, I still would enjoy it, but it's not the same as what it was when I used to take the kids out and hearing them screaming and laughing and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, so, so I probably will, but I, I no plans yet or anything figured out. But when I bought my boat, I bought it with the intention of if I do, I'm already set up for it. Yeah. And, and you don't have to give the town away, but are you closer to the coast? Are you more inland or? I was just curious about saltwater fishing or like tidal fishing, if you're going to do any of that. Right. I'm, I'm about an hour from the ocean is where okay. I am. So that's a very good possibility. Plus you got all that coastal, uh, that um, coastal hunting for pigs is phenomenal. And I bought this, but you know, I was choosing, do I go 14 foot, 15 foot, 16 foot? Well, 16 will be a pain in the butt to get into some of these places. 14 will be too small for running to Colst right there and out to some of the little islands. So I kind of settled on at 1548 to get me where I could use it for anything I want to do out there. And those coastal hunts are on my to-do list. Yeah. I, I did one with PBS last uh, February. That was awesome. What a great time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just, it's so neat because, um, it was mostly windy, but on when the wind would die down or if it were, like there was one afternoon where still you could hear you could hear the pigs out there chomping on the 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 cane. The, um, stuff, yep. Yeah, just chopping. You're hearing them like 100 yards away and then you just get the wind right and put a stock on them. I mean, it's, I'm making it sound easier than it was, but that's just right. I'm, I'm hooked for life on that that coastal salt marsh stuff. That is yeah. really, really cool. I mean, it's brutal hunting. It's physically difficult, but rewarding. Yeah. <laughs> It's so thick and it's so, you know, I have not done it, but I watched all the videos on it that have been done between your videos, the Clay Hayes videos, you know, the stuff yeah. like that. It is on my to-do list with it being only an hour away from me. I am all about it. Um, I, you know, like I said, having that boat, that boat will let me do what I need to do out there, um, you know, to be able to get into those places. So yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited. Like I said, I got big plans for hunting down there. <laughs> <laughs> I think Three you picked days a great, week. <laughs> yeah, I think you picked a great state for that for just yep. stuff the the pig hunting alone is worth moving there for i think just... yeah 10 10 whitetail tags on uh, three 10 whitetails three turkeys unlimited hogs a bear and uh in small game and i can basically hunt on uh state land well you're looking at august september october november december january february you got uh and then i mean you're, you're it's, it's year-round hunting i mean mm -hmm. realistically yeah and uh yeah so i mean it, it's a sportsman's paradise <laughs> yeah let's we should we should cut edit this part out right. no, yeah, exactly. it sucks coastal pig it hunting sucks. sucks well they'll realize <laughs> that as soon as they get down there and they got it they realize that there's eastern diamondbacks and timber rattlers cotton mouse and, and you know and you mud up to your knees you're right gators everywhere not to mention the gnats and the mosquitoes and the stuff that wants to eat you and yeah 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 the mud is something else it's like um it's like clay but it's also it's just sticky mud it's not like yeah. mud you can just pull peanut it, you butter know, peanut butter exactly yeah, yeah that's what it's like and so they said on the pbs hunt a lot of guys never come they do one hunt and they never come back 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, yeah, like that's what I said. I don't. I don't think a lot of people kind of understand what it what it is. I just watched a video of a couple guys that went down to Georgia, down there, and they went on a pig hunt down there, and they were in their hotel room the night before talking about. They were gun hunting with ARs. They're like, "We're gonna slam, and this is gonna be incredible, and blah blah blah, and we're gonna be down here for four days." And then here it was the uh, noon on the first day. And they're like, "Oh my god, this is exhausting. We haven't seen nothing. We're so frustrated." And then by the end of the second night, they're like, "We're not even gonna stay till dark." we're heading home <laughs> <laughs> that wouldn't be that would not be us <laughs> you're not, right but I mean, that's the majority of people that's the majority you know, they don't understand the power of it yeah <laughs> that's funny all right i'm gonna a couple serious questions for you well they're all serious but um you know you mentioned about on uh about the guys just kind of the mobile hunting and, and the trends in, in hunting in general but you know cyber scouting all that stuff where do you see um where do you see bow hunting going? Where do you see it? Do you think it is, is, is the path, are we on a good path? We're in a bad path. I mean, the, we don't, I don't even want to discuss the weapon choices that people make, but um, you know how I feel about that, but the pseudo archery choices, but uh, what, what do you, what do you, where do you see it? That's a good question that I can't answer because it's just moving so fast. I can't keep up with it. You can't, you can't predict where it'll be in five or 10 years, but I do got a feeling that there's a crossroads coming up where people will either get so frustrated because of the lack of opportunity. Um, they say that hunting numbers are dropping like crazy, but those hunting numbers that are dropping are nowhere near the speed that we're losing property to hunt on private and public. And the, there's so many, so much pressure on public from the people that are getting into it. The more mobile hunting and the and the fact that we're losing, they've lost so much opportunity on private, they have nowhere else to go. So everything is overrun now. And I got a feeling five years from now that so many people are going to be fed up. They're just going to give it up and take up golf or something else or fishing. And that'll that'll give us that wave of slowing it down a little bit. But I could be wrong. I don't know. Um, that I think the trophy. The direction of trophy hunting again is going to get us into hot water with all of the uh, um, things again too, because like I said, the ethics and the moral boundaries are being pushed so far in the name of getting in a set of antlers that I think that's uh, going to rub people the wrong way, and we'll be back to how it was in the the you know the late '80s and early '90s with everybody spray painting and all the anti hunters writing on every taxiderma shop and you know the things of that nature again I think are coming because of this massive drive towards trophy hunting again, you know. Yeah, I just, I don't get it. I, I think one of the, um, one of the things that may work in our favor is this, this, I think they call it the, like the field to table movement, basically yeah. like, uh, you know, I think that works in our favor where people that, um, like I've gotten opportunities to hunt um, over near Boone, North Carolina on properties that 10 years ago or five years ago, they were so, um, they would have been anti-hunters, you know what I mean? But now they're into like growing their own food. Um uh foraging they're not hunters themselves but they can see the benefit of it and i i could see that and i think that's a big trend just in the outdoors in general and i think that works in our favor in terms of you know supporting or giving access to people on private land i don't know i hope it's helped the problem but the problem there too is the fact that those people that want to do the food to or field the table, they don't know how to hunt. So they're going to go, Hey, I want to hunt. So I want to kill a deer. I want to eat venison. So then they go looking for ways to learn how to hunt. They go to YouTube or they go to the deer hunting networks on TV 
and all they see are people swooning over 120 yeah. inch, 200 inch. They see him. You, they hear things like that's the only shot I had, or he would have walked out and he's the biggest deer I ever seen. They, they see all of this trophy mentality and it's gotta be pretty disgusting for them to see if they could just see the reality of what most of us do with it and the beauty of the woods and being part of that and then harvesting that animal and eating it. Um, you know, if there were more people that were making content like that, I think it would be a much better thing for us. Yeah. But, yeah, uh, you know, the content you see is driven based on, on trophy status. Still. Yeah. It's really sad. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's not working on our favor in any way. And, and it really never has. Um, right. Uh, yeah. You can't eat antler soup as they say. Well, yeah. Jason, this has been fun. <laughs> any, any, uh, oh, I know I want to, what I want to ask you. Um, do you have a, a most memorable hunt? I, I take these nerd, I call them nerd notes. I write myself notes in case I forget of ideas or questions. But uh, that's that's one I was thinking of for you. Um, Do you have well, one that just stands out? It could be successful or not, or or yeah. Well, yeah. This year, this year I got one that hunted or this uh, November this year here in Michigan that, that it hurts really bad, but was a pretty amazing spot. But uh, um, I set up in an area that was pretty good, a funnel there between a couple of bogs, and I knew it would be good. And I went in there uh, right be before gun season. So literally, I was right between my, my Missouri and my Kansas trip. And I had one day to hunt, and I went out there in the morning, never had been in there, set up in there. And, uh, well, then I got a doe that comes through. And uh, she comes walking by, and she, I'm like, oh, this is perfect. She comes by, and she steps over this log. And I'm thinking, okay, here she is, perfect. She comes through. I shoot, it's like 20 yards. I shoot right underneath her. Okay, right under like oh and she's gone out of there now i'm kind of bummed out well not 10 minutes later here comes the biggest buck i've ever seen in northern michigan just an absolute monster and he has got his nose to the ground where she went i'm like oh my god and i didn't have another arrow knocked yet i knock wow. another arrow i'm ready and i'm like this here we go this is the log shot 2.0 he's gonna step over that log he does he comes by i hit right i bleed i stop him i'm like don't shoot low don't shoot low. i shot right over top of him <laughs> So in a matter of 10 minutes, I missed a beautiful doe and the biggest buck I would have ever killed in Northern Michigan on public land ever. And I uh, missed both of them inside of 10 minutes in one spot. <laughs> Ouch. That's, <Yeah. laughs> it's beautiful and horrible all at the same time. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Only a bow hunter you know, could joke, could laugh about that. <laughs> right. But you, you know, you soak it up, but I mean, it was a great thing. Cause I'm like, wow, this spot was fantastic. Yeah, you, And uh, you know, I was there for 10 minutes Now I did stick around a little longer and I saw three more does out there, but no shots, but, uh, but it was a really great experience for that fact, but it also just goes to show you how, I mean, you know, stuff can go wrong. You got to shake it off and laugh at it. You know, yeah. it'll be times later on in life that I'm going to shoot and miss something and I'm going to be bummed about it i'm just gonna tell myself you believe me you have missed way worse than this before remember 2021 <laughs> yeah yeah that's awesome well on that note jason thanks so much for coming on the podcast it's been really fun you've always yeah, been an nice. inspiration to me and and uh you really i hate to use that well you're sort of like one of the godfathers of the podcast thing especially for traditional <laughs> bow hunting if not the one but also just like the the value and the information you've given for free over the years is just it's amazing and uh i really appreciate that i've learned a lot listening to the podcast i'm going to still continue to listen of course in the future and also i'm looking forward to the the uh, hunting videos from this this coming season i appreciate it thanks for having me on and uh and like i said i wish you the best with the new stuff in north carolina and all that's going to be such a great season for you this year i can't wait to see all and hear about it all right thanks man appreciate it all right. Sounds good. We'll talk to you soon. Yep. Take care. Yep. Bye. Bye.